0: All right, so we are in a series called Signs of Life, and what we're working through are evidences, proofs, ways that we know that we've been saved, ways that others might know that we've been saved. And what I want to remind you about, before we even jump in today, is that these are not external signs. Like, I love that. I love that video. All the ways that we think that people know we're Christians, the T-shirts that we wear, the WWJD bracelet, i mean, those aren't necessarily bad things, but what we're talking about in this series are internal things, things that happen on the inside of you before they ever spill out of you, right? Realities, changes, things that take place in us that then others see the evidence of it. It's not about a T-shirt. It's about what he does inside of us. The last three weeks, here's the things we've talked about, agape love, right? God's kind of love, it's impossible to love people with agape love if you have not been loved by God that way first. We talked about uh, knowing God's voice by loving his word. And then last week, Adam, Adam Hatley in the house, did a great job while I was suffering for Jesus at the beach. I was experiencing peace while he preached about it here. It was fantastic. He did a good job. Uh, These are all things that are given to us as children of God. These are proofs, evidences as we live in them in our lives become a sign to others of what Jesus is doing in our lives. This morning's sign is no different. We're going to be talking about um, a different perspective. We have a, a new view, a new way of seeing things that happen in the world. I believe it's one of the greatest signs that we have as believers to the world is that we see things differently because of Jesus. Uh, you may have heard the term worldview. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Is worldview. Uh, just let's break it down really, really simple. Worldview is how you see the world. How you—it's the grid that you filter everything through. I love um, when I was taking psychology classes in seminary. They taught us this one illustration. They said if you go walking down the street and you look across and see somebody trip on the sidewalk, the first thing you think is, "What an idiot." But if you go walking down the street and you trip in the exact same place, the first thing you think is, what idiot made this sidewalk? It's worldviews, right? Your grid is, I would never make a mistake, but everybody else will. That's a worldview. It's a grid. that you, you filter everything that happens through that grid. And I believe this, that when we meet Jesus, that grid changes. Our belief system which informs how we act, our belief system starts to change. I want to prove it to you in Scripture, okay? 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Now, the, the verse is going to be up on the screen. Let me just set the stage because we're jumping right into this really meaty, chapter. If you were, if you got up this morning and you're like, God, what do you want me to read in the Bible next? I'm just going to go ahead and give you the answer. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just take this week and read that chapter. The entire chapter is talking about eternity. It's talking about eternity and how what we, what we experience down here, we see it differently because we've been reconciled back to God. A few verses before the one that we're going to read is when Paul says, I'm compelled by the love of Christ. Because Jesus has loved me and changed me, I'm compelled. I have to go now and preach and reconcile others to Jesus. And then we come to this verse, and here's what he says. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. This is all the result of Jesus dying on the cross, reconciling us back. We know that sin causes this huge gap between God and us, and Jesus paid the price for that built a bridge, gave us access to God. And because of that, because we've been reconciled back to God, a sign of life is what Paul just said. So now we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. He says that one time we even thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. And then he goes on in the next verse and he says um, something that you've probably heard before, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, "If, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. And I just want to encourage you again. Think back to that, that little silly video we watched. We tend to read that verse and think behavior first, right? Well, I'm in Christ so that I better act differently. I better do different things. I better not do all the bad things or the things I used to do. I better be different now. At least look different. Wear a Christian T-shirt. Put on the bracelet. Act the part. Learn Christian language. But I believe in context, Paul's saying, the old way of seeing things is gone, and the new way of seeing things has come. I have a new grid, a new way to filter the information that I see in the world. Temporal is one grid. Don't let that word scare you. Temporal just means it's limited to time and space. So, um, and then eternal. So these are the two worldviews we're going to look at today, temporal and eternal. Let me give you a quick illustration, especially those of you that are fanning right now because it's super, super, it's like a hell simulator in this room right now. This message is temporal. It will end. Trust me, I promise, it will end. I know you are like, I want to say amen, but I want to hurt his feelings, right? But the truth in it is eternal. That's the difference between temporal and eternal, okay? And not the truth that I say because I'm smart, but the truth of the word, right? This message has a, in, a beginning and an end. This this life, beginning and end. I mean, have you, Stanley County people, like if you noticed, it just seems like lately just people are gone. You're like, dang, like he was 19 or she was 27 and and we're suddenly reminded that this life is a vapor; it's a mist; it's temporal. And there's a worldview that, that views everything through that temporal grid. And I think that's what Paul's talking about. That is old; that's an old way of seeing things. And now the new is coming. So there's an eternal, an eternal worldview. What's crazy? The reason why this is such a sign to the world is because we all live in the same world, right? We all went through. Just a quick political thing. We all went through the exact same presidential election. Did you notice how people viewed it differently? Okay, that was too heavy, I could tell. So let me give you another example. Because I want to make sure you get that the way you see things is the reason why we can all see the same thing and come to a different conclusion. Two years ago, 2015, something happened in America that almost split the country in half, and it was not Trump. It was a very simple picture of a white and gold dress. Or was it black and blue? I didn't even bring a picture of it because I didn't want to start a riot in this place today. It's crazy how just one simple picture of one dress caused such a firestorm. Like families arguing, fighting. People getting mad because there's no way that that's that color. It's discolored. You're crazy. It's discolored. And as we all found out, it was actually white and gold or black and blue. <laughs> Depending on your eyes, your age, the, the monitor you were looking at, we all saw the same thing, came to different conclusions. And it's because of the grid that we were viewing the dress through. This morning, I want to do this. I want to show you. Six contrasts between a temporal worldview and eternal worldview. Let me give you a big idea, okay? How we see the world is assigned to the world. How we see the world is assigned to the world. Now, listen, big idea. This is the thing I want you to remember. I want you to get this today. How we see the world is assigned to the world. I'll give you one quick example, and then we'll get to these contrasts. Pray for, hashtag pray for, fill in the blank, right? There's always something to pray for. The way that believers respond to tragedy in our world is a sign to the world. Like if we panic, then the world says, nothing's happening to you because that's what I do too. But if we have peace because we trust a greater father, that's a sign to the world. How we see the world, the grid that we use, our worldview is assigned to the world. Um, I'm going to give you six major differences. Um, They're all going to be on the screen. You can write write them down. I mean, take a break from fanning and then write them down if you want to, okay? Here's here's the first one. This is the one that I really want you, this is going to guide all the other ones, okay? If we have a temporal worldview... Then the question, the one question we ask, everybody's asking questions like, why do I exist? Why am I here? Blah, blah. I get that. Those are all true. But if you boil it all down to one question to summarize these two worldviews, a temporal worldview says, what do I think? And an eternal worldview says, what does God say? What do I think versus what does God say? I want you to keep those two questions in mind as we go through the next five. What do I think? Versus what does God say? Number two, I'm at the center versus Jesus is at the center. Ultimately, this is a, a question. This is about who is sitting on the throne of our lives, right? If I'm on the throne, if I'm on the throne, then everything I experience has to be filtered through that question what do I think about what I'm experiencing? When things affect me negatively and I respond with, now listen, I'm going to say a couple statements and you're going to say right away, dang it, I said that last night. These are like a continual, like we're always somewhere on these scales, right? So like God bless you if today you're sitting here going, I nailed number one. Nailed it. I mean, I always think what does God say. I never think what do I think. I can guarantee you at some point in the next week or two, you'll be at the other side of that scale. So just remember, like, we're always kind of growing towards the eternal perspective, the eternal worldview, okay? So give yourself a little bit of grace. Maybe give your family some grace, right? Because sometimes when, when we sit on the throne, when we're at the center of our lives, the way we know that is we start to say things like, I don't think that's fair, And that reveals this temporal mindset. There are times when our opinion will not sync with God's word. Have you noticed that? And if we have a temporal mindset, what happens is we tend to try to change God's word to fit what we think. If we have an eternal mindset, if that's our worldview, then we we tend to try to change our mind to line up with God's word. Couple of verses to judge on. Romans 3 4 says this Let God be true and everybody else a liar. Some of you just nudged your spouse and said, I told you you're a liar. I told it. See, it's right there. Let God be true in everybody else a liar. 2 Corinthians 10 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have to take captive the thoughts that that go against the truth of God's word. So what do I think? And if that's the question that I'm asking, it's because I'm at the center of my world. What does God say? It's because Jesus is at the center. Here's number three. My happiness is the goal if I have a temporal mindset. But if I have an eternal mindset, my holiness is the goal. So I, I got to just make sure you get this one scripture. If you don't write any other scripture down, please write this one down. Um, 1 Timothy 6.17, because we have to agree that God's not, um, he's not raining on our parade. He's not a killjoy. He doesn't want us to be miserable. He's not getting you, to, he don't want you to wear sackcloth and ashes. Although some of you would probably rock it. I don't know. Here's what it says in First Timothy 6.17. Paul said to Timothy, "Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God. And here's how he describes God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So um, it's OK to enjoy this life. It's OK to, to love what you do. It's OK to smile. It's OK to, to be happy.? Right? I think even pre-service, we played that song. You know it's OK. But that can't be the goal. My happiness is the goal if I have a temporal worldview. Luke 12, we preached about this a couple weeks ago. Luke 12, 19 through 20. The rich fool said this, I will say to my soul, soul, you've got many goods laid up for many years to come. And because he had a temporal mindset, here's what he said, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you fool, tonight your soul is required of you. This temporal mindset, this temporal worldview, everything gets filtered through, my happiness is the goal. Which I will tell you this, having lived long enough, just from personal experience and from seeing people's lives, if your happiness is the goal, your misery is the end. You'll never be happy, truly happy. And you will chase it all over the place and ultimately come back to a place where you're miserable because you, it's, you just can't ever always be happy. And it's not because God's mad. We know that from what we read in 2 Timothy. He's given us things to enjoy. It's because there's something greater than just our happiness. And here's what it is. It's our holiness. Hebrews 12, verse 10. God wants us to share in his holiness. Here's what he says. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, Doing the best that they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us. It's good for us. It might not feel good to us, right? It's good for us. Parents, do you agree? Yes. Like, how many of you have actually said to your kids, "This hurts me more than it hurts you"? Liar. When I was a kid, I was like, "Switch places with me. Give me the thing. I'll give me a chance. I'll, I'll whack you. I'll hit you. I'll thank you. Let me just see how that feels." If it's hurting you that bad, I will gladly switch. God's discipline is good for us. And here's why. So we might share in his holiness. And and just to be clear, holiness is not becoming a monk. It's not becoming a nun. Holiness is looking like Jesus. And isn't that what we want? I want to be like Jesus. I want the world to see me and see Jesus. And the way that happens is when my holiness becomes the goal, which leads to number four. Trials, when we are, have a temporal worldview, trials are part of the problem. But when we have an eternal worldview, they're part of the process. James chapter 1, 2 through 4, three of the, Weirdest verses in the Bible. James writes this, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. What? Like, did he just tell me to be happy about trials? He said, consider it joy when you encounter trials because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance. And endurance will have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen, lacking in nothing, that's the end. And the process to get there involves trials. And when when it's all about what do I think, and I'm the center of my world and my universe, when my happiness is the goal, then anything that makes me unhappy is a problem. And I better get rid of it. Now, I'm not the greatest athlete in the room, but we've got some athletes in the room. You either had high school glory days or college glory days or you're still trying to relive the glory days, okay? But if you're an athlete, if you CrossFit, if you do anything physical to better yourself, you already believe this. You already hashtag trust the process. Because when you go work out and it's killing you, and you've got a workout partner, you're like, this is stupid, not quit. They go, trust the process, trust the process. You hurt because you're getting better. You're breaking down your body and it's gonna feed itself and your muscles are gonna grow. You already believe this. I'm just asking you to believe it spiritually. It's also true spiritually in our walk with Jesus. Trials are part of the process, and it doesn't mean that we have to enjoy them. It just means that we need to understand them. Understand the process. And at the end of the day, if our holiness is the goal, then God, whatever I'm going through right now, man, I I trust you to use it in the process of helping me lack nothing. So that leads to number five. A temporal worldview says, I need to control my circumstances. And an eternal worldview says that God is in control of my circumstances. A few perspective altering verses, okay? We'll put three up on there, and I'll, I'll, I'll read them to you. Psalm 8, verses 3 through 5. Man, uh, Cody is, hey, where you at, Cody? Wave to me. There he is. Cody Teague, just graduated from Teen Challenge. Man, it's so good to see you here this morning. Awesome. I don't know why they're not going nuts because, dude, you just, cha- you just graduated from Teen Challenge. Come on, man. <laughs> Unreal. Like if you'd have been sitting here, what, 14 months ago, we'd have been like Cody Teague and you'd be like, hi, I'm Cody. I'm an alcoholic, right? Now you're like, hi, I'm Cody. I'm serving Jesus and I'm healed and I'm delivered and I'm, gra- I'm a graduate from Teen Challenge. I love it. I mention you because we've talked about this verse this week. This verse has come up time and time again in conversations that I've had this week. Listen to this, Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. The psalmist writes this, When I consider your heavens the work of your hands, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Now the version I'm reading from says, When I consider the heavens the work of your fingers, which means that the universe that you go gaga over, that you run outside with your camera to capture the perfect snap, Instagram picture, Facebook post, sometimes you filter it so it looks a little bit better. Sometimes you don't because it's amazing you put hashtag no filter, I get that. But that thing that you rush to get a picture of is God's finger paint. Like when I finger painted as a kid, not a masterpiece, right? I mean, to my mom, she's like, look, look at that, it's a family portrait. And people are like, it's paint, right? The psalmist said, When I consider the work of your hands, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars. This is God's finger paint. Okay, just to paint a little bit of a picture of how big God is. When I consider that, he said, what is a man that you take thought of him? The son of man that you care for him. Who am I compared to all this? Who am I? Not just who am I, but who am I that you would even take note of me? Like, you're taking notes now if if I say something and you go, oh, I don't want to forget that. Take a note, right? Like, the psalmist is saying, like, God takes note of us. Why would you take note of me when I consider all this, that I'm nothing compared to this, and yet you take note of me? And not only do you take note of me, verse 5 says, you have made me a little lower than God, but you have crowned Man with glory and majesty. And so the God of the universe, right? Hang with me. The God of the universe who finger painted the things that we take pictures of and blow up as masterpieces, sees us, little bitty old us, because David said, who am I compared to all that? And he notices us and crowns us. And we say to that God, I don't think you can handle my life. I've got it from here. That's a temporal worldview. I can't I can take a picture of the heavens and I can share it with my friends and I can hopefully get triple digit likes. But I can't trust the God who did it with my life that I am currently screwing up. I need to control my circumstances. Or I allow God because he is in control of my circumstances. And here's the last one. This is the worst one of all. This is the, the logical end of these two worldviews, okay? If I have a temporal worldview, all these things that are kind of on the left hand or the top part of those slides, if all those are true, if all those resonate with the way that I'm living in my life, then the bottom line is I, I trust myself more than anyone. But if I have an eternal worldview, then I trust God more than anyone. The bottom line about trust is this. Whoever we choose to trust is who we have to look for, for every resource, every plan. If I trust myself, I have to trust my plans, my abilities, and my resources. Or I can trust God, the guy we just talked about who finger-painted the universe, who saw us as lower than the angels and still crowned us with glory, we could trust that God. We could trust his plan, his abilities, his resources. The thing is that one of those is limited and one of those is unlimited. One leads to panic. The other leads to peace. And granted, like Philippians 4-7 says, that it's a piece that can surpass all understanding, right? So if you have this eternal worldview, then the way you see the world is a sign to the world. So people in your life, they're going to watch you go through really hard times. Because let's just be honest, that happens to everybody, right? I mean, everybody struggles. Everybody goes through things that are tough. Some go through things that are tougher than others, no doubt. But everybody goes through hard times. And when the world sees you go through a hard time and they see you respond with peace because not like you're trying to work it up, but it's in you because you're alive in Christ. You have peace in that storm. There's nothing they can do but go, how the heck did you pull that off? I mean, like, I I lost my job at the exact same place that you lost your job. The same employer walked in and fired both of us and you have peace and I am panicking. Please don't read anything into this. I'm just using it as an illustration because we can all relate to it. Donald Trump is my president, and he's your president too. And you have peace, and I'm panicking. But if we're all going through the same stuff and we're all panicking, then who does the world turn to for hope? There's no panic in the church. Only peace. There's problems in the church, for sure, but only peace because we're not trusting in our abilities and our plans and our wisdom and our resources we're trusting in his listen this church has seen that firsthand if it was on us and our abilities and our resources there's no way we burn a 20 year mortgage in 10 and a half months right i said 20 year mortgage in 10 and a half months that happens because of a God with unlimited resources, not people with limited resources. People that you've been praying for for years to see Jesus, that are starting to see him. That's because you're trusting a God of unlimited resources, not yourself and your limited resources. It's because the way we see the world is assigned to the world. I want to close this morning. Um, I want to take the time to pray for you, over you. Let me let me give you an example. I've shared this a few times before, and it's just a powerful, it was a powerful moment for, for our family. And I just want to share it just to help you see um, how this plays out in real life. Now, there's a, I have a really good friend who told me this one time. Always be aware, be, be, be aware of the pastor who's the hero in all his stories, right? So I try to tell you plenty of stories where I'm not the hero, okay? But this one's good uh, about me. So I, but I don't do this all the time. If you've been visiting for the first time, I'm not that guy, okay? Ask anybody at the church, and I tell more of my horror stories than the good ones because there actually are more of the horror stories. Anyway, temporal worldview versus eternal. So Thanksgiving of 2003, when we're unlocking the door after being with Wendy's family for the holidays, and my phone rings, that was my cell phone. It was like when you had the big antenna, right? And, um, and the guy on the other end of the line was an a advisor board member at First Assembly, and all he said was, Paul, you need to get to the hospital. They just took your mom in an ambulance. And it was like, wait, what? No, I can't even explain it to you. Just get in the car and go. And so we did, and we got there, and, um, I mean, never, never got to talk to her again. Anur- brain aneurysm goes to see Jesus the next Monday, December the 1st. And the, the morning that she passes away, we walk out of the hospital, and that afternoon we walk back into the hospital because my brother has an oxygen level of 50% in his body. And he's in the hospital for the next 20 days, and then he dies. So that's 20 days, December 1st, December 21st. Those are days that we'll never forget. And then on Christmas Eve, I preached my brother's funeral. And then, oddly enough, went back that night and led worship. Whatever. So, hard. Hard. And I ask God a lot. And this, I'm just saying, so you have permission to ask God questions. I would ask him all the time, like, why, God? Like, man we were at First Assembly at the time, man, they, they would fill the hospital halls with people praying for my mom and for my brother. Like, seriously, God, i have just, I have this figured out for you. If you had just healed them, the revival that could have broken out in Albemarle, unparalleled, right? Why didn't you do that, God? You see, that's, that's leaning towards that temporal mindset. This is not fair. This does not make me happy. I don't like this. What do I think about it? I think it sucks. But the eternal perspective, the eternal mindset begins to trust God. You're in control of this. I don't I don't know how, but you're in control. Genesis fifty twenty says that what you meant what, what my the brothers meant for evil, God turned it for good. Romans eight twenty eight, we know that all things were together for the good of those who are called according to the purpose of Jesus. So we know these things to be true. How is it going to work out, God? I have no idea. Until one day, about a year later, after church service at First Assembly and I had been leading worship, I stepped off the platform, and somebody at the church walked up to me, and here's what she said, and I quote, I've wrestled for a year with why God didn't heal your mom and your brother, but I've watched your family for a year, and I'm so encouraged That God is real and powerful because of how I've watched your family weather a storm. And I walked away from that conversation with a different perspective on what had happened in my family. The temporal mindset says my happiness is the goal. But an eternal mindset that's focused on holiness and that trials are part of the process. I walked away and went, wow, God. For an entire year, this woman has watched our family, and she's growing. Now, would I want my mom back? My Absolutely. But I suddenly realized, because I'm a church person too, if God had healed my family in the hospital, we would have had an awesome throwdown church service the next Sunday. And the next Sunday after that, we'd be back to what we were before. But because I trusted God in that process, because we allowed him to be in control of it, even in control of our pain. I'm telling you, I preach today differently because of that time. The, the long-lasting fruit of that moment has changed me. It's changing you because you have to listen to me preach. And I'm just one person in this room that could tell that story. We could pass the mic around. There are so many stories in this room of trusting God in hard, difficult circumstances and being on the other side and going, oh, now I get it. Now I see what you were up to all along. And when we have that mindset, that's the sign of life to the world. Not what would Jesus do? How about what he did? through me and through you that becomes the sign